The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com t-shirt designs, Mr. Antenna, now your host, Jim Tofty. The band The Cow Sills was formed in the mid-60s by brothers Bill, Bob, Barry, and John. After their initial success, the brothers were joined by their siblings Susan and Paul, along with their mom, Barbara. And it's a fairly well-known story that the Cow Sills dad, Bud, was heavy-handed with the kids, and unfortunately, that led to problems in their business dealings as well, but I'm getting ahead of myself. One thing for sure is that the family harmonized like only families can. We'll learn a little more about why their careers became sidetracked for a while as I've got founding member Bob Cowsill on the line right now. This is Bob. Bob, this is Jim Tofty in Las Vegas. How are you doing, buddy? Jim, how are you? Thanks for thinking of us. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to everything. Uh, seen you, Kyle Sills, many times, and I always look forward to your oh, thank you. return to Las Vegas. When you're here, if you do have any amount of time, which sometimes isn't possible, but what do you like to do while you're in Las Vegas? Oh, are you kidding? Man, we've done horseback riding. We've done yeah. in the desert kind of thing. We've done the dam. Uh, we've done shows. We've seen the Beach Boys. We've seen Jersey Boys. I mean, we kind of like, you know, this nice. is a big deal this place there's a lot to do here are you kidding we love engaging vegas yeah love i don't know why i thought of you guys when i when i um whenever i think of the beatles love show i don't know if you've seen that one yet not that one nope but i want to yeah that's a good one i have to say that i loved your narration of the Sills family band documentary just oh, such a yeah such a great job with that thanks i appreciate that that's awesome Glad you knew about that. Yeah, you're very good at that. And not only knew about it, but I've watched it, I think, five five or six times at this point. I know it was a labor of love, but there were some pretty heartbreaking moments. Was it hard for you to get through parts of it? Absolutely. We shut that down for two years, okay? It was getting a little crazy because, you know, the story is more involved than everybody knows, okay? And um, there's a there's a risk of our dad being a too big a part of the whole thing and becomes his documentary and that, and he could have one, believe me. So could my mom. Yeah. But, um, it was very hard because what we didn't know going in was it's really kind of like psychiatry sessions <laughs> and we're in circles talking and like things yeah. are coming out. Yeah. Right. So it, it kind of, it digs deep into places you didn't expect going in. Oh yeah. Let's do a documentary. How fun. You know, I, I, well, boy, that ended up being a real eye popper for all of us in a good way, ultimately. But yes, it was difficult. I think the thing that kind of made it a nice balance was your lighthearted approach in the narration. It was almost like, I don't know if you ever saw the documentary, the surfing documentary, Endless Summer. It had that, yes. it had that feel to your voice, but at the same time, there were some moments that were, that were pretty tough. Oh, you know, and, and you just sort of... Sometimes the toughness comes off after you go through talking about it, and you and you go, man, that's tougher than I thought. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> uh, uh, this kind of procedure, this documentary and searching for truth and business, I'm I'm gonna say you got to be careful. It's okay, be careful, but it's gonna open up things you didn't expect, and you got to deal with it. And in a way, it's good because it would have never come out before because you really do start digging deep. And like I say. 
we, we shut it down for a while. We thought, oh my goodness, who knew this? And then it's sitting there unfinished. We go, we can't leave that undone, right? So up and we got it going again and, and did it. And we're we're glad we got through it. And we understand people who go through it and go, this is too difficult. I'm not going to do this. Uh, but you just got to get strong, you know, and, and be older, <laughs> a little yeah. older. Well, and how did your family, how did that house become a musical household? How, what was the kind of the beginning of that? Well, we brought music into it early, early. My brother, Bill, my oldest brother, the oldest of the seven kids was eight years old. I was seven when we got our first guitars our dad brought back from uh, being overseas in the Navy. Yeah. They always went out, you know, and came back from these exotic ports with gifts. And he came up with a couple of guitars one one time when we were seven and eight-year-olds. And the two of us took to the guitars like, okay, uh, this is fantastic. And by the time we were, we just kept playing and we were in an instrumental band in Newport, Rhode Island called the Islanders. And we do adventure songs when we were like 13 and 12. Yeah. We got our first paying gig at the Newport, Rhode Island Women's Guild luncheon. Bill and I sang 12 and 13 years old. We're, we're singing like where the boys are traveling, man, nice. um, crazy songs, but got paid for the first time, $10 each. And both of us remember that as being so significant. Pretty good. Yeah. Well, yeah, not in a, well, in a way it was because you're 10, you go, God, we can make this kind of money. I know. This. Let's <laughs> sing some more. You know? So you're admitting if you're 12 and 13, you can have those thoughts, you know, like, are you kidding? They'll pay us. <laughs> you know, so uh, we stuck with it. And then the bands, we got into the hoot nanny and the folk music really embraced that. And then the Beatles showed up and, Look, I'm at, I'm 13, 14, Bill's 15, the Barry and John, our younger brothers are younger, and we are ready for a group like the Beatles in terms of impressionable teens. We're, hey, here's how you wear your hair. Here's the gear you buy. Here's the songs you're going to learn. And we learned them. And back then, there's no internet. You had to just listen to the records and figure it out. And then they went on Ed Sullivan for three times, and we saw a bunch of songs being played. So as young teens, we're learning a lot then. And we just changed our whole sound. We learned we could do the Beatles very well. And it got us work at a club in Newport. Uh, and look, my brother John's playing drums at eight. Barry's 10 years yeah. old. And I'm 14. Bill's 15. We know, how are they letting us in this club? We couldn't even go here if we wanted to. We were playing. But our dad got permission from the mayor. Back then, it was loosey-goosey, you know. And we got a club gig in high school, in grade school. And we loved it. And that's where somebody from the Today Show came and led us on the Today Show because we were just these four brothers who were very talented. Wow. Yeah. I said, hey, come to New York. We'll put you on the Today Show. And look, I'm not going to say I didn't know what the day, Today Show was. I kind of did. I knew who <laughs> Hugh Downs was. Uh -huh. But as kids, we're not watching the Today Show. And we're going, okay, well, the, to us, it was, we're going to New York <laughs> to do what? Go on TV. Okay, well, but to New York? Yeah. And so it was great, man, as kids, I have to say. The harmonies go without saying. You're famous for this, but you all turned out to be such great musicians. Was this just all self-taught and hard work? Were there any formal lessons or anything like that along the way? No formal lessons. It was all natural. And and that's why I don't mention it much. I mean, we were quite good, clearly, if somebody from the Today Show says, look at these brothers, holy cow. And we weren't even famous. Uh, but we were quite good at, at doing this, okay? And uh, there's no lessons, there's no Google, there's no how do you find the chords to this song? We're not going to watch a YouTube. We're going to just going to do this. And so in a way, our generation got real good at that with our ears, you know, yes. um, 
so by just by being confronted with it, we we realized, hey, we can do this. We can figure out these records and play these songs. How cool, because that's all we knew how to do. Uh, so it was very different back then. There were no resources. We couldn't see the Beatles. No, you, you saw a group either in a teen mag, in concert, or on a TV variety show. Yeah, that's, that's it, okay? And, you know, not everyone went on TV, so a lot of us just, it was the records. It was the radio. There's something, Bob, about brothers, isn't there? Look at the Wilson brothers and the Beach Boys or the Everly brothers. I mean, there's just something built into the way that you sound, isn't there? Agreed. When we were young, we could not have put that into words like you just did. There's, <laughs> there's a DNA component out yeah, here, right? Right. And as young, young kids, we were all over, not knowing what we were responding to, but we were responding to that because we're watching the Osmonds on Andy Williams. They're singing an acapella barbershop quartet. Listen yes. to those harmonies. And we're going, what's that? And we're listening to Mitch Miller sing along with Mitch, and he's got the bouncing ball. we got lyrics. We're having a blast. We're watching all of the variety shows. Ed Sullivan, of course, is the king of the mountain. And uh, this is where our training, the, the Lennon sisters on Lawrence Welk, beautiful harmonizers and we're hearing these harmonies and the british invasion is going to have the mamas and papas and the and the birds and the and the all, all the harmony groups are going to come that we're going to the beach boys our own you know and we're going listen to that and we were genetically able to sing and so as as young boys we're going hey okay we do this we don't know it's special that we can do it yeah it's just we can you know, so let's do it. You know, we're not getting a big head about it. It's just we don't know what anyone else is doing. We're living in a Navy town. Everybody's in the Navy. Our dad was in the Navy. That's why we're there in Newport, Rhode Island. There's no musicians on the island, maybe one or two others. Uh, we see people at the folk music shows, and you're kind of on your own as a youngster back then. You four brothers were, you know, in your own eyes the second coming of the beatles i suppose that's how you felt you were rock guys now we're we're gonna do something how did your sister and your mom get involved with the band and i'm assuming that's not exactly how you planned it heck no <laughs> look you're right what your first comments uh, your question was yes we're gonna be the beatles or the rolling stones because we got a harmonica we don't know which way to go yeah. or the beach boys yeah I mean, we we have our first recordings that we went in on songs we wrote and songs we covered in 1964, 65 uh, back then. And we're the Beach Boys, we're Motown, we're, we're the Beatles, we're everything, because we're kids, right? Um, but luckily, we were talented singers. Uh, we, were, we had a gift for that, that we knew. You don't walk around thinking you have a gift, but you, you walk around going, hey, we got a band in the family, all right? This is great, because there was no one to pick from, so we picked from our brothers, and they had it too. So you find that out, you go, this is golden. Um, and we just loved to rehearse in our house, you know, when we were in high school and grade school. And our dad and mom started noticing, hey, these kids are pretty darn good. But we were good on our own. You know, we did this all on our own just to keep us out of trouble. They probably thought, get them some gear. They love this music. It keeps them home and keeps them out of trouble. What do we know of what was really going on with the parents? But dad eventually sees that these kids are real good. And he sat us down. He said, hey. You want to go for this? You want to try and become, you know, make records? And what what are 14 and 15 and 10 and 8-year-olds going to say no? Uh, so, yes, Dad, we do. And <laughs> yeah. I got I got to give it to him. He hit the streets. Now, now we're going to get picked up from that Today Show by a small label, by Johnny Nash. And we're going to have a, a release in 1965, and it's going to bomb. And they're going to drop us from the label. 
the four brothers. Then we're going to get picked up by Shelby Singleton and Mercury Phillips in 1966. And we're going to put out three records that are going to tank. You know, they're not going to do well. Um, uh, so we're going to get dropped from that label also. Now that happens. That's a second label. That's the second yes that turned out to be a no. And we're going, look, people are telling us you only get one yes in this town. Well, we're looking for a third, right? Because who are we? Uh, but we get it. But here's what they do. All right, the four brothers aren't aren't happening. They're just like, yeah, you and everyone else are the Beatles. Okay, so what do you do to differentiate? That's when they sat us down, said, look, you've had two labels. You're not doing this, and we're going to put your mother in the band. She was the first. You're going to put mom in the band. Ouch. <laughs> and that was an, that day was an ouch because well you might as well just kill it off for good now <laughs> you know, like, we're dropping the labels now you think this is the solution you know and now we're 15 and 16 and we're going who's coming into this band who do you think and you know we weren't running anything so at mercury phillips we meet Artie cornfeld they oh. drop us he goes with us he was our staff producer there. We put out free flops, but in the meantime, he's teaching us everything. He's basically your George Martin. I know the story. Yes. He's he's your Thank savior you. and, and would become yes. your great friend, right? He is our George Martin. He is a great friend. It is going to be a disaster what happens, but uh, he's part of the car we're in, and the car crashes once in a while. So Artie is so mad they drop us from mercury phillips he and his friend steve duboff sit down to write the rain in the park and other things which should have been called the flower girl because uh -huh. no one to this day remembers the title uh -huh. but you can unless, say flower girl. unless you're in radio and and uh, man that's course. a long title <laughs> of course so um he writes that we go in and record it the four brothers again because we're the band and we record it and it's just what you hear that record we walked in and there was Jimmy Wisner and 30 musicians with violins and a harp, and we we're going, oh, my God, what's this? Because uh, up until then, we've been playing our own instruments in the studio, but they've got other plans. And remember, Brian Wilson at the time's doing Wouldn't It Be Nice, Carol Kay's on bass, not, not right. Carl. You know, we're doing it this way. So it was uh, the kind of the East Coast version of the Wrecking Crew. It was the crew. way it was. Yes, it was. And it was the East Coast Wrecking Crew. Joe Osborne on bass, he's East Coast Wrecking Crew. Right. Uh, Jimmy Wisner's the conductor. and But we go into the booth and we go, whoa. How are we going to put that on stage? It's all me and Bill are thinking like, uh, okay. But the song sounds great, right? It's a great record. Uh now, now they sit us down. We have no label. We got this recording everyone thinks is a hit, but we've been there before on that issue, right? So we, the boys, we're not going there that this is a hit. We've had four of those, <laughs> you know, this is a hit. Yeah. Uh, but it was. Uh, and they said, and then we're going to oh, put yeah. your mom in the group, and that's going to make you different than anyone else. And, it's, and of course, our reaction is, no, it's not. It's going to kill it for good. And I'm, all right, we're wrong. They were right. Uh, we go back into the studio with mom. we got to get her on the record. She's in the band. So she's going to sing, I love the flower girl, that melody up high with that girl voice. And, and for people who don't know, she, what a great voice. I mean, it's not like you were bringing someone in who couldn't uh, hit a note. She was fantastic. That's a good point. Mom could sing. Yeah. In fact, we, we got it from her, the DNA. Stands yeah. came from her, not our dad. So she had a beautiful voice. But that really wasn't the issue. When you're 15, you're saying, yay, but your mom sings good. Yeah, well, so what? I you know. Know. Okay. <laughs> anyway, she's in. So we go to the studio, and she's shaking. She's never done this. Okay? She sings yeah. at the sink. Okay. She's never done this. And I have to go stand behind her and be right next to her ear and sing it with her. So it's the two of us on the record 
singing that melody high. I love the flower girl. That's me and my mom. Wow. So she did a great job. We come out of there. We got the record. They take the whole package to MGM. We don't have a label. And Lenny Stogel, they take it to a manager. He's connected. Um, they love it. Uh, who wouldn't? It was different. It did dif- It did exactly what they thought it would do. They knew the talent was there, but the look is the same as everywhere else. So the mom comes in. Now we're the family band with mom. We're unintimidating. We're going to have an image we didn't quite go for, you know. But uh-huh. yeah, the cute, smiley, happy. All right, so uh, mom's in. And we have a million-seller single. Well, mom's in. (laughs) (laughs) Mom's in the band. We had a hit. And, and of course, it ended up okay. Yes, a different direction than Bill and I wanted. That turn is going to be really harsh on some of us in the near future, okay? But for now, we have a million-selling hit record. We're touring the country. We're... We're loved by the TV shows by Ed Sullivan until Dad gets in a fight with his son-in-law, and then we're not loved by Ed Sullivan. Oh, jeez, yeah. I... He gave listen. He gave us ten shows. We contracted a million dollars, ten shows. I have the telegram. Ten shows, Ed Sullivan. We did two because Bill, my brother's mic. And remember, it was live television all over the United yeah. States, and the mic didn't work on a verse. My dad freaked out. He never knew how to handle himself, and he got a little physical with Bob Precht, who was the producer of the show, but. Ed's son-in-law. Well, Ed got mad and took eight shows back, and that was that. But our history's littered with stuff like that. Yes. And that's just the way it was and the way it became. But back to the recordings, man, we had a hit, and we were off and running. Now, Artie's not going to last, and it's coming back to me and Bill, and then we're not going to last, and it's going to go to Indian Lake and West Farrell. That's not going to last. Back to me and Bill for hair. It was a roller coaster, let me tell you, in terms of who produced these records. And, uh, we, we could work with others, then it was us, then others, then it was us. And so despite the trauma everyone was going through, we kept putting out some hits, right? And so for about four years, five years, at our age, now I'm 21, I think, ah, oh, we got this. We know how to, you know, we put hair out and it's the biggest ever. And we think we really have this. We know what we're doing. It, okay. it, that's And that's such a, a rocking song, but your dad didn't quite get that one and didn't want that recorded? Well, the whole establishment was against us at this point, and we're just doing something because we're told. That, that song came about because we were booked for a TV special. Back then, if you were on a TV special like NBC or something, it's a big deal. The country sees you because we were all watching the same TV shows. So we got this TV special, and they asked us, Carl Reiner said, hey, they sent us the Broadway musical album of Hair that wasn't even famous yet. We didn't, never heard of it. Hey, could you take this song Hair in and do something you could lip sync to on the TV special? We'll have a blast with it. So we hear it. That's a pretty funny song. Yeah. Took it in the studio and two days did what we did to it that, that you know about, the hair. And uh, and then it sat for like oh, seven months. Uh, MGM didn't like it. The family didn't like it. Dad didn't. What is this? Remember, we just had Indian Lake, which is a little pop summer tune. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and this is kind of heavy for this family, but and we didn't know that the Fifth Dimension are over doing Aquarius, that uh, Three Dark Nights doing Easy to Be Hard, Oliver's doing Good Morning. We don't know there's going to be a phenomena coming. We just have this song hair we're going to lip sync to a TV show in May. Well, finally, MGM gets you know their head on right. Time has passed since Indian Lake. The TV special's coming. And like I say, it's a big deal. So we're going to perform this. So they coordinate the release affair with the TV special. Thank God. And uh, that thing took off. 
I mean, 50,000 yeah, a day it's selling it. It just was. And then Aquarius is out. We're going, what's all this other stuff? What is this musical? <laughs> you know, and it, it retroactively, we're, we're learning about what we got involved with here. You know, innocently, we just booked two days in a studio to do something we could lip sync to, you know, uh, and, and we were done with it. And that homework assignment is over as far as we were concerned. Uh, but boy, uh, once it came out, it was great, right? Yes, it was. I mean, I, for one, remember, I think it was your third album and you guys were writing and arranging and there was some great material like We Can Fly and I, I love Gray Sunny Day and Mr. Flynn, which was kind of kinks-like. And and uh, was Artie still involved at that point? Because it seemed like it was a pretty focused album. Uh, no, the We Can Fly album, he was gone. That was me and Bill. Uh, it was a great time. Yeah. I will tell you that. Okay, and the reason it was, the way you recorded, it was new to us and shocked us, but we embraced it. So Artie's going to be dismissed by our father, okay, because he told me and Bill about pop. All he did was mention it, okay? Uh-huh. And we're, we're just kids. <laughs> I mean, we're 17 and 16 now, and yeah. but old Navy dad freaks out and, and fires Artie. It was like losing George Martin, a few of the uh, Beatles, since you brought him up. Yeah. It was devastating. And they throw this thing back to me and Bill. Oh, you got to get to work, right? You get over things, right? All right, to work we go. And we got uh, that album done, Great Sunny Day. We worked with three arrangers, Artie Shrek, Herb Bernstein, and Charlie Colello, who was one of the Four Seasons and became a he's just a great arranger, wow. Charlie. And worked with them uh, in an apartment singing, because we can't write or read music. You know? And they do these charts. And, you know, I think part of the great thing about that second album, We Can Fly, was that since we weren't playing the gear, we were really focused on vocals and you could tell right. we just had a party in the studio with these vocals. I mean, great sunny day. We love great sunny day. Uh, yes. We thought it should have been put out as a single and it never was. Never okay. was, huh? Nope. After we can fly, they put out this ballad in need of a friend, which is a nice song, but mm-hmm. please people. Uh, but you know, we're kids. We're not running anything. We're doing what we're told. You know? It's like, Hey, you're the producers now. Okay, thanks. Let's write some songs. Okay. Uh, because you, it's what you did. You didn't question it. You did it. You know, <laughs> and and when you have success, you go, yeah, okay. Oh, it's back to us again. Okay, what are we going to do? All right, let's do this. And then it's a hit. You go, hey, I think we got this by hair. We're convinced ourselves that we know how to do this, and and that was our last hit. <laughs> yeah. So you know. It, it was a heady ride, and you learned a lot about life and people, I'll tell you that. And by the way, Bob, was the album Captain Sad and His Ship of Fools, was that a little bit of a swipe at your dad? No, we didn't swipe at him till later. We were okay. afraid of him. We were afraid of him. Yeah, I get that. Uh, yeah, it might have been even the opposite, but uh, yeah, we were, we were a little nervous around dad, uh, and we were raised that way, so it's like, you know, you just can't argue with a family that's raised that way. It's what it was. Um, and the the repercussions of being raised that way were profound. Um, yeah. But at the time, you're running a business, not a family. Okay, we're running a successful business, and that's going to detract you from maybe some things that are going on in the family. That if you were a normal family, you could have helped. But you know, it's what it was. That's the history we had. You know, we were very busy running a big successful business. Happily, by the way, we're not miserable. I mean, Dad's a nightmare. But, yeah. you know, dads like that are nightmares periodically, and then he's not a nightmare. And, you know, so, and we're getting older, and it's more of a mental thing than a physical thing it turns into with dad, and that kind of thing's going to happen. But our escape 
and not that it was an escape, it's something we came up with real young, is the music, the band, and the stage, and the concerts. And to this day, I would get, if you ask any of us, well, there's only four left. If you ask the four of us, well, where are you happiest? On stage, okay? There's nothing like a show. Nothing like a concert, you know, like we can't wait to get to the Golden Nugget Friday in Vegas and perform. It's just, if you don't do it for a living, you don't really understand, but it's such a joy and the audience is, is such a joy and it's such a happy experience, you know, a concert. I mean, you just love it. We talked about your mom, but how did little Susan sneak into the band? Well, mom came in on the first album by the second album. Uh, Susan's going to arrive. Paul's coming in. Uh, the rest of the family, basically, except my twin brother. That's its own story. But Susan right. is young. Uh, when she turns seven, it's like she's kind of born into it, let's say. And she turns seven and can sing a cute little song. And at this point, me and Billy are going, well, mom's here. You know, Susan's coming in. At this point, we've, we've given up and we've embraced the direction it's going. Okay, we've embraced it. And, uh, okay, Susan's in. And you look at it. You can look at it two ways. One, your your seven year old sister's in, and what a drag! Now she's here, you know. <laughs> or two, her high voice with our younger brothers Barry and John. The vocal stack expands. Okay, the vocal stack gets real high in harmonies and real low from us, and we really got something to work with now. We got Paul, Susan, me, Barry, John, Bill. We got and mom. Okay, the seven of us uh in this vocal stack now so once we realize everyone's in it's like we have seven voices well let's rock and then you get over it you, all right they're in the band get over it we're a family band and to hear you play live uh, especially in those days when the whole group was there it truly was a family band and everybody could play let alone sing i and i saw an appearance uh, a few years ago that you did on Playboy After Dark of all shows, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and your mom and Susan doing this great rendition of Where is Love? That was just a total shocker because of how beautiful it was. Boy, they sure were good together on that song. Oh, man, the singing is what gave you your flexibility, right? And, and from the beginning, as kids, we emulated bands, right? We emulated the Beatles. Oh, we got to do this to sound like the Beach Boys, and we got very good at reproducing records. Uh, uncannily good. So we were always a good cover band and still are. I mean, look, you go to our show, or you go to McCartney's show. McCartney runs out of time, not songs. Uh-huh. Okay? <laughs> right. So that's his issue. Our issue Poor is ball. we got you know four or five hits and we got an hour and a half. Who who has the more difficult show here? You know, <laughs> so we got to entertain people with only four or five hits from our history. Well, there's 15 minutes of the show. What are you doing for the rest of the time? Well, you better be entertaining, you know? So we felt challenged always in our shows because we couldn't just fill them up like the Eagles or, or, or Fleetwood Mac. Actually, on one hand, you could count bands that could do that anyway, but we're the Eagles. It's all their songs, the whole show. Most of us borrow from each other. We do hits from the day, and we're no different than that. But we take on... We don't do it anymore, but we took on Monday. Monday, it's a great live song. Perfect. Monday, Monday. Uh, now we we do You Were On My Mind by the week five. Nobody does that. Nice. We do, uh, we do um, You've Got Your Troubles by the Fortunes. Man, there's a three-part oh, army song. Wow. wow. I'm assuming you do Love American Style because you did the original. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Back then, Love American Style, they called us up and said, hey, would you do this? And 
it was no big deal to us. It was like a homework assignment, we called them. Oh, we got to go down to the studio, do this theme song for a show that isn't out yet. Uh, we don't have the brains that wonder, oh, it's just going to be a hit show. We're just got to get this song done and get back to our life. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like 19, you know, I got a car. It's like, what do I have to do? Okay. So we go down there to the studio. And again, studio musicians, Charles Fox gets all these studio musicians down there. It's a great track. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's uh so cool uh and we do the vocals and do the producing and get it done you know and then it's a hit tv show we go, oh my god hey remember that song we did yeah oh wow and then uh but still we're not playing it live till way later because uh, it wasn't a hit you know we didn't think anyone would know it but now today we, it's in our show as kind of a here's something we did that you might probably don't know we did <laughs> you know they are yes. surprised they are surprised that because it, we start that song and it it's actually We Can Fly rewritten. Okay, only a, a deep musician at, that gets into the into the weeds would know that. Interesting. The chords yeah. are the same. The keys change is the same in the horn section and the instrumental. Sometimes we sing We Can Fly's line in Love American Style to, as a joke to ourselves. Uh-huh. Oh, We Can Fly, but it's in the instrumental with a Love American Style. So we, we think that the guys who wrote that, well, we know they had us in mind. We know that. So we think they just... Uh, did that and it it blended well with us and we love to do it live now oh my god thank you you know you need five hits to get on the happy together tour and without love american style we have four you know i've talked to susan in recent years and all i know is that cool. you got you guys sound very happy and happy to be performing and and oh, uh, bob it was an honor be well and and have a great show while you're here hey all get right. off the couch and get out all right especially you older people i know how that is look there's no better place at night for an old guy than 8 o'clock in the evening on your couch in front of your TV. I go anywhere. <laughs> it's true. You're assuming I'm up that late? Hey, listen. Up late, yeah. <laughs> but then you go, right? You go somewhere. And you right. Go, I should do this more often. Just make the effort. You'll be glad you did. You'll think you want to do it more often, and maybe you won't, or maybe you won't. No, no. And it's it's a great That's room. It, it's a great room. I just saw, oh, it's a great room. saw the zombies there not too long ago. Oh, I love them. He still yeah. sings so great in That's the original right. keys. Kyle Sills yes. at the Golden Nugget. Everybody's... Uh, has to check that out. It's it's yeah. going to be a great show. I can vouch for that. Bob, great to talk to you. Thanks so much. Anytime. Thanks, everybody. And uh, we'll see your listeners out there. And by the way, I'm sure that you may have heard the Partridge family was loosely based on the Cow Sill story to the extent that they were actually considered in casting. But when Shirley Jones was cast as the mom and not Barbara Cowsill, dad pulled out of the deal. That finishes off this episode of the Fake Show Podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. I'm Jim Tofty, and I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.